Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. Simple Secrets is a series of 26 Bible studies that were written by Reverend James Otterness, and, and they are very simply simple secrets uh, that are the, the basic elemental, elementary truths of the Christian faith. And I think it's always good for us, no matter how long we've been a Christian, to go back to the basics. Because when we practice good basics in anything, it keeps us on mission and on track for whatever we're trying to accomplish. So uh, today we're going to talk about the, some of the basics about how to stay on track in your daily walk with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if when you become a Christian uh, that uh, you're just kind of put on autopilot and you just automatically live the Christian life without ever getting off track? Well, it might be great, but that's not the way that it works. Uh, basically, uh, we need to turn to Jesus daily. And the Christian life is a daily life of turning to Him over and over again and receiving what we need to uh, be the people He's called us to be. And so today we're going to study about how to keep on being a Christian. And uh, before we do, as always, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we love you so much, and thank you that uh, when we come to you by faith, that you don't just leave us there alone, that you provide everything that we need for the journey also. And uh, Lord, today as we study your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to know just how to turn to you, and also to be open to receive your power. And uh, Lord, teach us these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to the book of Romans again, and today we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read to you in Romans 12, starting in verses, verse 1, and we'll read verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so the Apostle Paul starts out here with an appeal. It's like a request. He's urging us uh, in his appeal. And the, uh, his urging is for us to, uh, by the mercies of God, to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. And so he starts out with the how, and the how is very simply by the mercies of God. Really, all that this means is this appeal is not an appeal of the law. Now, appeal of the law would look like this. Uh, you have to do this, or you're going to uh, pay the price, or you're going to pay the consequences. This is not a legal appeal or an appeal of the law. It's not a you shall or you have to. This is a, an appeal based on the mercies of God, and I would look at it this way. Uh, think about your life. Think about all that the Lord Jesus has done for you in your life. Has he blessed you? Has he fed you? Has he encouraged you? Has he healed you in some way? 
Has he been merciful to you in some way? If he has, then, based on what he's done for you, then offer yourself to him. And back in the Old Testament days, uh, the, the priests brought sacrifices to God. And they didn't bring living sacrifices. They brought dead sacrifices to lay on the altar to God. And what he's calling us to do here is to offer ourselves as the sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice. And, um, and so, you see, we don't just worship God um, by, by our words and, and uh, singing songs. We also worship God by offering ourselves to him in service to him as a living sacrifice. And he says uh, that uh, this is your reasonable or acceptable act of worship to God by offering yourself to him. And um, uh, so you are a living sacrifice. God has offered himself to you through Jesus, and now he's calling you in response to Jesus' love to turn to him and offer your life to him in service to others. And so he goes on to say, uh, the action there that he's calling for is for us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And so here, there's, there's like a, uh, uh, a juxtaposition set up. He's, he puts two thoughts side by side in conflict with each other. He says, don't be conformed Instead, be transformed. And so I, I would submit that at, at any time in your life, you're either doing one or the other. You're either conforming or you're being transformed. And I have a 13-year-old daughter, and, um, and she is uh, in junior high school. And, and in junior high, there's lots of peer pressure. And the peer pressure is for them to conform to the way that the majority of the people are doing things. And so uh, to conform means to, to comply, to go along with the norm, the way that people, the way that people are doing. And, and he say, don't be conformed to this world. And what he means here is, you know, as a believer, we learn in the scripture that we are not of this world, but we're called to live in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. But this world is this, uh, this sinful, broken world that is under the dominion of the devil. And in this world, uh, there are pressures for, for believers to conform to the ways that the world are doing things and to conform to the sinful ways of the world. And what he's saying here, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't conform to the world. Don't go along with the mainstream. Don't just do it because everyone else is doing it. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the being transformed, you notice, is a passive action. It's not something that you do, but it's something that is done in you. Be transformed. He doesn't say, he doesn't say transform yourself. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so the renewing of the mind is very key here in the Christian life. And uh, what he's saying is that allow Jesus to work inside of you to change you into the person that he wants you to be. Don't let the devil work on you from the outside in order to conform you to the world. Be transformed. And there are lots of ways for us to 
offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God so that he can work in us to transform us into his likeness. And he is the one that takes the initiative and the action on that. What he calls us to do is to put ourselves in a position so that the Lord Jesus can work in us. One of the ways that I do this in my life is through reading the scripture. And as I offer myself to the Lord by reading his scripture, he works in me and, and works in my heart to change me in his power. Another thing that I do besides reading the scripture is read lots of other Christian material and devotional material. Uh, over here in my bookshelf, I have, uh, I have lots of books that, you know, if you were to look at this, you'd probably say, you know, Skip, he must be a high-maintenance Christian because it sure takes a lot of reading material to keep him on track. But uh, I have a shelf of Bibles, all different translations that, uh, that I read because sometimes reading it in a different translation is helpful and you get a different idea of the way that the Lord is working. I've got devotional books on the next shelf. On the next shelf, I've got some commentaries and resource books. And all of these books and reading materials are there so that I can present myself to Jesus and Jesus then in turn can work in my heart and transform me to help me stay on track in my daily walk with him. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So let's get the next part. And we're going to go now to Ephesians chapter 4. And so it's... Uh, Romans and First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verses 22 through 24. Here the Apostle Paul writes, Put off your old nature which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through its deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new nature, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so here he uses kind of a different meta metaphor. And he's talking about your old nature and your new nature. And as a believer, when you come to faith in Jesus, you get a new nature. Remember we talked about if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, the old has passed away and the new has come. And so as a believer, you get a new nature in Christ. But... You know, the bad news that goes along with that is that that old nature, your old sinful nature that is uh, who you were apart from Christ is still alive in you. And whichever one of those natures that you're feeding at the moment is the one that's going to be in control in your life. And so here he says, put off the old nature. How? By being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so again here, this renewing your mind is a very key part in how to keep on being a Christian in, on, in a daily base, on a daily, uh, in your daily walk with him. And I think about this as it relates to, um, to some of my friends who are alcoholics. And uh, I have several friends who have gone through, uh, who, are, who are part of the AA program, Alcoholics Anonymous. And when when they first are starting to sober up, one of the things that, that the program recommends is that they go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And, you know, that's not so much uh, like a matter of law. You have to do 90 meetings in 90 days in order to be sober. But instead, it's about renewing your mind. 
And as you put yourself in a position to hear the information and hear the testimonies of people who have been in the program and who are sober, as you hear that, then your mind gets renewed. And as your mind gets renewed, then your actions and your behavior follows. Uh, renewal of the mind is so important. It's the same principle about why Christians go to church every week and do fel fellowships and Bible studies. Because it's not, I go to church so that God will love me. That would be law, and that would be bad news. I go to church because being there every week, I hear the Word of God, I receive the sacraments, and I'm in fellowship with other believers. And as a result of that, my mind is renewed. And it fills me up and gives me what I need in order to stay on track in the following week and in the days to come after the worship service. And, and so being there is what renews your mind. Where your mind is focused is where your actions follow. Um, I remember this story from when I was a little boy. I got a job one summer driving a tractor. And, uh, and the, tractor, the job with the tractor was to cut down the grain stalks after the grain harvest. And what I would do is uh, the farmer liked to have straight lines in his field. All farmers like to see neat straight lines in the field. But I was about 14 years old. And I had a hard time keeping my mind focused on anything at that time. And so I was driving the tractor, and, and my, my eyes and my mind would get drawn off at something else. Maybe I'd see a rabbit running across the field or something else, and I would be over here looking at the rabbit. Whichever way my mind and my eyes would go, that's where the tractor would go. And, uh, and the, the rows that I was cutting in the field looked like I was making big S's in the field. Uh, and the point of that is just... Where your heart and your mind is focused, that's where your actions will go. That's where, that's where your, your actions will follow and your mind will follow. Um, also, another example of this is, is that a few years ago during one of the election cycles, national election cycles, I got in the habit of watching a lot of those, uh, those talking head TV shows on national, national uh, uh, talk shows at night on television and they would be talking about the political campaign and what the people would say that day and, and uh, what, who was making what speeches. And as I heard those things, uh, they always got me aggravated and frustrated and I could feel the tension come in. And the more I focused on those things, the more, uh, uh, the more in a bad mood it made me. And I found, though, that when I was in my car during the day for my work and listened to Christian radio, my spirit would get calmed down and I would find peace. And so wherever my mind was focused, my actions and, but, and also my feelings would, would respond to that. And so what the Apostle Paul is telling us here is that the way that you put on the new nature the way that you say no to your old desires and yes to your new desires in Christ is by focusing your mind and your heart on the things of God. When you do that, He gives you what you need to stay on the path with Him in your daily walk. It's so easy to get off the path, isn't it? So many things out there in the world today are competing uh, for our thoughts and our actions. They're competing for the control of our minds. Uh, you see this on television and on billboards. So many things are, are competing for our attention. And, uh, and unless we're focusing on the things of Christ, 
then the things of this world will take control of our minds and then our actions will follow. So let's get some more. We're going to go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so turn back in your Bible, 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul again writes, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letters of letter of recommendation written on your hearts to be known and read by all men. And you know that you are a letter from, that, from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of a living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so he starts out here by saying that you are our letters of recommendation, uh, written on your hearts to be read by all men. You're a letter from Christ, and you're delivered by us, he said, by the Apostle Paul, uh, written not with the Spirit of God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. And so you may have, never, you may have not ever thought of yourself as a, as a letter uh, of recommendation, but you are. You're a letter of recommendation of the power of Christ and how Jesus uh, is effective in transforming lives and, and bringing love into people's lives. You're a letter of recommendation. You may be the only letter or the only Bible that another person ever reads. Uh, people read your life and the way that you live your life on a daily basis. And if you're calling yourself a Christian, then when people see the way that you're living your life on a daily basis, that's a letter of recommendation as to uh, the power of Christ in your life. So if you're not living the Christian life, if you're out there living like the devil, then and you're calling yourself a Christian, then people look at you and say, people, especially people who don't believe, they'll look at you and say, first of all, either they'll say you're a hypocrite or they'll say, well, you know, that Christian thing is really not anything powerful, nothing that I would want because look how they're living. You see, you're a letter of recommendation from Christ to the unbelieving world. When I was a young believer, uh, I was drawn to mature believers, people who had been in with the Lord for a long time. I wanted to be around them because I could see Jesus at work in their lives. And I wanted to be with them so that, uh, you know, it, it's like Jesus would, their, Jesus in their life would rub off on me. And I would learn from them and be ministered to them. They were letters of recommendation from Christ to me. As though Jesus were saying, see how you can be if you will turn to me as this person is every day. That's what he calls us to do. So let's get a little bit more in 2 Corinthians verses 4 through 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not in a written code, but in the Spirit. For the written code kills, but the Spirit gives life. So uh, he starts out by saying, that we are not competent of ourselves, but our competence is from God. If we are anything on a daily basis, if we are a competent Christian, that means that we are not relying on our own power, but that we are relying on the power of Christ by turning to Him and asking Him to come into us and fill us daily. Um, and we are then ministers of a new covenant, not the written code, but, but in the Spirit, 
because the written code kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so what he's saying here is that we are ministers uh, of a new covenant, and that's a new covenant of the grace of God, a covenant of the love of God that says Jesus loves you, and he loves you, and he wants to forgive you, and he accepts you today just the way that you are. He doesn't ask you to change anything about yourself, but what he asks us to do is to submit ourselves to him so that he can come into us and then work in us to change us. You know, he never takes away anything from us that is, uh, that is good for us. The only thing that he calls us to give up are the things that are harmful to us. And even then, he doesn't take them from us. He loves us and change our, changes our desires so that the things that we used to want are, the, are things that through him, as we grow in him, we don't desire any longer. Um, we, are, we are ministers of a new covenant, a covenant of grace. Have you ever been around a preacher who preaches legalistic sermons, sermons of the law, which say, you are a sinner, and unless you change, you're going to hell? That kind of talk and, and sermon really never does anything to bring hope and life to someone. We're called to be ministers of grace, to show people the love of Christ. And as they receive the love of Christ, then their lives are changed. Then through faith, uh, they, they are welcome into the gates of heaven. And they get there out of love, not out of fear. And so uh, we are ministers of the covenant of grace. So now let's get a little bit more. And uh, we're going to read 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 through 11. Now at the dispensation of death carved in letters of stone came with such splendor that the Israelites could not look at Moses' face because of its brightness, fading as this was. Will not the dispensation of the Spirit be attended with greater splendor? For if there was splendor in the dispensation of, of condemnation, the dispensation of righteousness must far exceed it in splendor. Indeed, in this case, what once had splendor has come to have no splendor at all because of the splendor that surpasses it. For if what faded away came with splendor, what is, more, what is permanent must have much more splendor. And so uh, what he's saying here is that the, the message of, of the law, which was carved on tablets of stone, came with such splendor that when Moses was up on the mountaintop, uh, the light of, of God had shined on him on the mountain. It was so bright that when he came down uh, from the mountain, uh, the, the, the light shining and reflecting in Moses' face was so bright that, uh, that uh, the people asked him to cover up his face. So I've got a little illustration here to show you this. And uh, when Moses was up on the mountaintop, the, the, the light of Christ shined in his face and lit him up. And when he came down, just like this light is lighting up my face. And when he came down from the mountaintop, the people saw the glory of God reflecting in Moses' face. And they said, Moses, put a veil on your face. So he did. He put the veil on his face. And the glory of God still shined from underneath the veil. So that the people saw the glory of God reflected in the face of Moses. And so what Paul is saying here is that if if giving of the, the law 
brought such splendor into the face of Moses. Think about what the giving of the, the gospel, uh, think of the glory of God that comes to us as we receive the gospel of Christ so that the light of Christ reflects in our life just like it reflected off the face of Moses so that when people see a believer who is walking with Jesus, what they see is the glory of Christ reflected in them. And so let's get a little bit more. And uh, we're going to read now in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not see the end of, of the fading splendor, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And so here, what he's saying very simply is that we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face. And so uh, to this day, when the law is read to many people, not only to the Jews, but to, to believers who live under the law, a veil lies over their minds so that they have a hard time grasping the grace of Christ. They think that the, the way is just through the law. But when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And, uh, and so I have this illustration where in this statue of Jesus, if Jesus is the light of the world, then the light shines through him. And so when I turn to Jesus, then his light shines on me and he renews my mind. And, and then I can go out as I turn to him daily through prayer, through Bible study, through fellowship, he's shining on me, and then I become an example of Christ to the people around me because they see the light of Christ shining through me. And um, the veil is removed as I turn to Jesus. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul says that we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is spirit. And so have you ever known a couple who have been married for a long time, 50 years or so? Something happens to them as they live together over time. Not only do they begin to look alike in their mannerisms and the way that they talk, but their features even seem to begin to change so that they even look alike because they live together for so long. It's that way for us who are, who are followers of the Lord Jesus. If you've known a really old, uh, experienced, salty Christian person in your life that has been walking closely with the Lord for a long time, when you look at them, it's as though you're seeing Jesus. You see him in their graciousness and their forgiveness and their love, the way that they accept people and aren't judgmental of them. Uh, and the reason that they're that way is because they are reflecting the likeness of Christ, the love of Christ, the glory of Christ to those who are around them. And, uh, and this change, this reflection, is not something that you or I can work up inside of ourselves to make us uh, uh, to conform to some kind of image of Christ that we might have in our minds or, or that someone else is telling us. This comes as we turn to Jesus daily and allow him to work in our hearts 
and work in our spirits to change us and to transform us. And the way he does that is transforms our hearts and our minds through his word and through his love. And so the change for a believer, if there's something going on in your life, if you're struggling today in your Christian life and you're looking for a way to change, then here are three very practical steps that you can take. Uh, first of all, daily turn to the Lord. Turn to Him through Bible study, through prayer, through fellowship, and allow Jesus to work in your life. Be open to Him working in your life. Second of all, live close to Him daily. Uh, don't just turn once a day to Him. Make it a process through your day of finding a, a